and we talked about being the decoration of God, something that makes uh, God more appealing. And and uh, I'll just I'm just going to put this out there. It, I believe it's my opinion, but you weigh it and see if you think that it bears witness with you. I believe that the reason that the world, um, not the church, I believe that the world is struggling to have any sense of whether it wants God or not is because they've met too many of us. And when they meet us and we're not living like we're supposed to live and, and relating like we're supposed to relate, they think, what's the use in that mess? And so, as I said before, we have to step up our game. We have to turn up the light a little bit. Uh, I'm not calling for anything radical. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. But what I am saying is we can do better than we've been doing. As a church, as individual people, we can do better with our attitudes, with our mouth, with our spending, with how we raise ourselves, how we uh, pray, how we live our lives out in the community. It can't be isolated where it's just what happens on Sunday. If so, you're missing the point. This is not a Sunday event. This is a lifestyle that has to begin to weave itself through your decisions, through your actions, through your habits. And when we relegate it just to Sunday, you're doing yourself, God, and the church a disservice. So stop it. (laughs) Either decide you're going to follow Christ or decide you ain't. You get to have that choice. But please don't, don't try to do both. Don't try to mess in the world and then try to follow Christ. We also talked about being uh, food, using the vehicle of food, and and that sometimes that's a a very overlooked opportunity for us to eat and share and talk in the world, and and also using our gifts as well. And and again, a lot of these, they're very simple, but none of it's easy. And I've been saying that for almost 10 years, that a lot of the decisions that Jesus tells us to make, they're simple, but they're not easy, because it requires you making a decision. And and so for those of you that I don't want to I don't want to cast any uh, darkness on the song that we just sang, but um, listen, please. We don't need a move of God. God needs the church to move. Because even if he came down in a cloud and he spoke to you and he said, change the way you spend, you'd be like, hmm. So you don't need a move of God. You already have it on faith. Through his word, what he's told you to do, you don't need a physical sign. Why do I say that? Because Jesus himself condemned the action of saying, this perverse and wicked generation keeps demanding signs. And the sign is, we need God to come and do stuff in us because we ain't doing anything. And I'm here to tell you, he's already done it all. Now it's time for us to do our part. If the church will rise up and be the church, God will move because he's going to move through us. Okay, so yes, we need to move with God, but if you're just going to sit there, if God wants to do something, he'll do it. That's the completely wrong attitude. We have to be the church. We have to be the people that decide we're going to do this. And, and the way we do that is what we're going to talk about this morning, and that is that we don't just stop at the end of a series, and we don't just start because it's the beginning of a new year. We have decisions that, uh, what's our next step that we need to do? What's the next thing I need to do? Okay, I got saved I'm attending church. I'm, what's the next thing I'm going to do? Because what technically begins to happen is we get to a certain point in our lives where we get comfortable with where we're at. And we fall into a routine and we say, okay, I'm good. I, I've been, I'm pretty regular with church now. I'm, I'm good. Uh, I've actually, uh, start, I started 
reading the Bible, uh, one little passage every day, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, I serve once a week in a ministry, I'm, I'm doing good. Well, he hasn't called us to, to be good, he's called us to follow him. And he's going to continue to ask us for the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. Because God loves us so much, he doesn't want any part of our life left untouched. And that's the process of the next step. What's the next thing for you? And you know what that next thing is. I don't have to tell you what that next thing is. But I do want to encourage you this morning that when that next thing comes up, take it. Do the next thing. And so... uh, as many of you that were maybe raised in church, you are very familiar with, uh, with Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verses 18 through 20. And uh, it's going to be a very similar story to uh, Luke that we're going to read after this. But um, if you were ever raised in a, in a church where it was just, just accept Jesus, you don't need to think about it, just do what we tell you to do, then this is the passage for you. And, and I want to explain it a little bit for you. So here's what Matthew tells us. And remember, Matthew's just an ordinary guy that, that uh, found Jesus. And years afterwards, he writes down his, his amazing interactions with Jesus Christ. And here's what he says. He says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, which is also called Peter, and Andrew. And they're throwing their net into the water for they fish for a living. That's kind of dumb, right? They're fishing because they fish for a living. Jesus calls out to them. He says, come and follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, that wasn't my experience, and I don't know if that was your experience, but I didn't just get a glimpse of what was going on, and all of a sudden I changed everything in my life. I didn't walk away from my job. I didn't just do a radical 180. I didn't do that. Maybe you did, but this is kind of that church experience where maybe you even heard somebody say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And it's this, oh, I, I got to, it's, it's a prompt, it's a heavy weight, it's a, and you think, well, of course I want Jesus, but none of us, none of us give our whole lives right there on the spot to Jesus. It's a process. You start someplace. And then all of a sudden you realize, ooh, I haven't given that part to him. And ooh, I'm still doing this. Oh, I'm still kind of stuck in that. And when you have that type of a mentality that all of a sudden you just think these guys left their nets after, he's like, okay. So either two things occurred to me when this happens. Fishing sucks so bad that anything else is a better option. And maybe you like fishing. I'm a person that I, I don't really have the patience for it, so I would say fishing sucks so bad, I would do something else and find another option. <laughs> but you've got to realize how long these guys have been fishing. They're grown-up men now. They've been doing this because their father was a fisherman. They've been doing it, doing it, doing it. It's what they know. Someday dad will die, and they'll inherit the boat and the nets, and they will be fishermen. And so they're out there doing what they've always done, and Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I want you to stop doing that and follow me. That's all he says. Now, if Jesus said that to you today, would your response be, I'm leaving everything, I'm following him? If not, you're in good company. Because this is just one part of a story that gives a very brief example of how this happens, and I want to share with you that it's usually not like that and give you a little bit of hope and encouragement this morning that you do need to make some decisions, but you don't have to be all in blind faith. See, that's the thing. 
Jesus never asked for blind faith, just do because I say. He always gives information as to why you should be doing this. He wants you to understand. That's why he spoke in parables so that we'd compare and we'd understand why is he trying to get me there? Why is he talking about my money? Why is he talking about my sin? Why is he talking about my prayer life? Why is he talking about my relationships? Why, instead of just saying, be perfect. Because that's easy. That's, uh, that like really minimizes the words. He would just walk up and say, be perfect and follow me. That would be very difficult. <laughs> and if you grew up in a church where it was, you got to change so you can follow Jesus, I'm here to tell you that if you follow Jesus, you'll change. He doesn't demand that you change up front. I'm just telling you that over time, if you'll truly follow Jesus, you will change. All of a sudden, your opinions will change. Your lifestyle will change. The way you see the world will change. The way you treat people will change. Not because of some harsh uh, rules or conduct system, but because Jesus begins to change who we are and how we are. And so I'm telling you, the change should come, but it's about us making decisions to follow. And, and that's what I was alluding to when I said we get comfortable. Here's the question that we as Christians have to keep asking ourselves. Am I still following? I'm not asking if you're attending church. I'm not asking if you're paying tithes. I'm not asking if you're serving in a ministry. I'm not asking if you do daily devotions. I'm not asking if you're a nice person. I'm asking you, are you still following him? Because if we're not careful, it's a very subtle shift, and we start following the crowd. We start following the church. We start following ideas. Or we start following our butt to a seat and get comfortable. <laughs> And we just decide to sit down because I'm saved now. Everything's good. And I'm here to tell you, God's following plan doesn't stop with salvation. It starts with salvation. It never ends. You don't get to retire from it. When we hear the trumpet sound and we're all changed, then it ends because then we'll be changed and we won't have to worry about it anymore. Until then, guess what? It's change. It's a process of decisions, and the great part is he loves us even when we get comfortable and we think, ah, I don't want to go any farther. He still loves us, but he's also not going to just let you sit there. He's going to send people like me. He's going to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you to say, hey, are you really are you doing anything? Or are you just sitting around waiting for Jesus? And if you're just sitting around waiting for Jesus... God loves you this morning, but I hope that maybe we can help you get to the next step of keeping on following Jesus, not just waiting for him to come back. That's a horrible plan, and it's never what he never once does he say, hey, just sit and wait for me. It's amazing. In fact, he says quite the opposite. So if you've ever dealt with that, of that whole, if he's not Lord of all, hey, I mean, especially if you received Christ when you were young, I mean, do I get to graduate first, or do I have to, like, leave school, and do I leave my job, do I leave my, my spouse, do I, he's not saying any of that, but what he is saying is, get ready for some change, get ready for the next thing, and then when you see the next decision, take that decision. So let's read this same story by Luke, who's, who's much more in-depth, and this is Luke chapter 5. And Luke understands that, just like with medicine, because Luke was a doctor, that information is needed. Have you ever gone to a doctor's appointment and 
you leave there and he told you some stuff, but you're really not sure what he said? He used a bunch of words and you, for whatever reason, we're embarrassed and we don't say, hey, whoa, 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 back it up. Uh, I got the hello, Mr. or Mrs., and then start from scratch from there. And I know that they're under pressure. They come in, they've got like 9.2 minutes to share with each person. But when they come in and they, they tell you, and you sit there like a good patient going, and then if he's a good doctor, like most of them are, and they've even been trained, they'll say something like this. Do you have any questions? And you go, and you're the biggest liar in the world. You've got tons of questions. You're like, what did you just say? And what does that mean? And what do I do with this? And then you go home and your husband or wife or whoever you talk to says, what the doctor say? And you go, I don't know. We have to run some tests or something. Our experience with Jesus Christ is full of information. He wants you to know who you're following. He wants you to know why you're following. And he wants to encourage you to continue to keep following. And so I'm not asking anybody to step out on blind faith. I'm asking you to take the next step, just like we see that Luke talks through here. So here we go. Here's, here's the rest of the story that Matthew didn't fill in, that, that Luke was there as well sharing this. And so here's what he says. So one day Jesus was preaching, so very different. The other one just said he was just walking by, and he happened to yell to two guys, hey, come follow me. Well, this one's very different. He's actually stopped, and he's preaching at the shoreline on the Sea of Galilee. And these crowds are there, and they press in on him, and they want to do something. Look at what they're there to do. Hopefully what you're here to do this morning as well. They're there to listen or to hear. Why? Faith comes by hearing. This is what is revealed to us in Romans, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So part of our step is this. You need to actually listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Listen to what the Scripture is telling you. Listen to what mature people around you would tell you, right? So look what he says. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now, for those of you that don't know, the fishermen in those days, since they weren't deep-sea commercial fishermen with huge nets, these are guys that went out in smaller boats, and they fished at night because in that part of the world, the water gets hot, and so the fish go down just like they do here. They don't stay at the surface when it's hot. They go down. And so what do they do? They wait for night, and then when the fish come up, when it's cooler waters, they cast their nets, and they drag them back in. So these guys had just finished cleaning up. They had brought their boats in, laid out their nets, pulled all the twigs and all the stuff and trash and all that gunk out of their nets. They had laid them out, dried them up, rolled them up, put them away for the day. And here comes Jesus on the scene. He's like, hey, there's two empty boats. He steps into one of the boats and Jesus asks Simon, who's called Peter. He says, I want you to push out into the water. Now, Peter's part of this crowd that had been listening to Jesus. Maybe he was there the whole time he was drying out his nets and doing all that stuff, and he's listening and working and listening and working and doing all of that. And all of a sudden now, Jesus steps out into the boat, and he does something 
that's a next step for Peter because Peter's been listening. And he calls Peter to a next step. Look what he says. I'm not going to take your boat. I'm not going to steal your boat. I want to use your boat, and I want you to push out just a little bit from the shore. Now, if you were Peter and you had just got off the night shift from fishing, do you think you might be a little tired and ready to go home? I mean, you're like, hey, I, I enjoyed the preaching, teaching, but I am exhausted. I'm ready to go home. It's inconvenient. So he goes out of the water, and he gets to sit in the boat, Jesus, and he teaches the crowds from there, okay? So first step is, Peter listens. Peter actually says, okay, I'm going to get in the boat with you. We'll push out a little bit. And he sits there, and he's listening again. Notice this. He hasn't left the net yet. He hasn't made any declarations. All he did is he got in the boat with Jesus, and they pushed out a little bit from the shore. And then he sits there, and he listens. Now, the problem with many of us is we get the opportunity for, to be with Jesus, whether it be a Sunday or throughout the week, and what we do is we get Jesus in the boat and then we push him off and we stay on the shore. But Peter got in the boat with Jesus and he's listening to Jesus. He didn't say, did my part, I'm laying down, let me know when you need to go in. Talked to the boat, or went into the boat, taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Remember what point of the day this is, right? <laughs> it's we just finished what we just finished with, and now you're asking us to start all over again. Nobody fishes during the day. We just got these nets rolled up. Had you been here about two hours earlier, this would have been fine. But notice that it's inconvenient. Notice it's asking something of Peter, right? Are you getting what I'm laying down this morning? When God comes into your life, it's going to be inconvenient. So if you're waiting for just the right time at just the right place in just the right situation, forget it. When he comes into your life, it's going to be inconvenient. He's going to do something like requires you to ask for forgiveness. That's inconvenient. He's going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do but are the best things for you, and it's inconvenient. The timing is inconvenient. The thing he asked you to do is inconvenient. And many times it's even public just like this. What do you think Peter's thinking? These guys are going to think I'm crazy. Nobody fishes during the day. And I'm tired. And then when I'm done with whatever this project is that you're doing, I'm going to have to clean those nets again. I'm going to have to roll them up. And then I'm going to have to go home and try to catch a few winks before I start fishing again tonight. Nothing easy about this, but very simple. Look what happens. I want you to go out a little bit deeper, let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, this is where Peter is just like us, you and me. Just Notice what he says. He calls him master. Um, we worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. But the next part's so important for you. But if you say so. 
And here's the part you don't want to miss. So if you've closed your eyes a little bit and you've, you've been using me like sleeping medicine, wake up for just a second. Jesus probably isn't going to ask you to do some incredibly new thing. He's going to ask you to do something you've been doing all along, but he wants you to do it in a different way because he said so. Right? So for all of you that worry about money, and he says, hey, you've been spending money your whole life. I just want you to do it a different way the way I say. Um... You've been talking to people your whole life, and and now I don't want you to stop. I just want you to do it a different way because I say so. Decision time, right? And Peter got this. He's like, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets again. I'm going to go through all the work. I'll go through this process. You're not a fisherman. And if it was me, I'd be thinking the same thing. Great carpenter thinks he knows how to fish I'd also be thinking and I'll bet he's not going to help pull him back in when we're done and I'll bet when he's done preaching he's going to go home and I'm going to just be started I have to clean up the boat again I have to clean up those nets again in Rome and then I got to walk home and try to get some rest Try to eat. It's not very convenient. But because you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Notice this. He lets down his nets. It's something he hadn't experienced because I can guarantee you he wasn't expecting to catch fish, right? Just like none of them were expecting Jesus to come back to life after he died. And so if you're not even sure you're a believer this morning, you're in the good crowd because nobody believed in Jesus at the beginning. Peter didn't believe in him. He, He was just going along. He didn't guarantee him, right? He could have told him this up front. If you'll just trust me, You'll have the biggest batch of fish you've caught in years. I'll let down the nets. No guarantee of that. No further information other than, trust me. And for some of you, that's the next step. You've got to just trust him. Trust that what he says, do what he says. Not something new, but do what you've been doing a new way because he says so. Right? And then he shouts, and now, all of a sudden, his little interaction with Jesus becomes a group activity. Isn't that amazing? He shouts, hey! And the other brothers come over. What's going on? You've got to help me pull these things in. Come on, if you help me, I'll split it with you 50-50. That's not in the script. That's, that's what's going on in my head, okay? And soon, both boats were filled with fish and they're on the verge of sinking. Think about this. And you can say, that's just, I mean, we know how fishermen talk, right? We know they, they're natural-born liars. I caught a fish the other day that was that far from the boat. 
But let's also remember that the Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit to be truth. Regardless of which person, Matthew or Luke, is speaking, not for themselves, but to give God glory and to show us that it's not always what we think it is. Now listen, here's what's amazing. He got an unexpected event from an unexpected doing. He didn't plan on doing it that day, but because Jesus said so, he did it. And because he did it, something happened. And because something happened, somebody else witnessed it. Think about this. Now it's not just Peter telling a story. Now the other brothers remember the story. And have the crowds gone away? All of a sudden they see this, who catches fish in the middle of the day? And look at how many there is. This is amazing. Peter realized what had happened. Look it. What was there to realize what had happened? You know what he realized had happened? He did something different just because Jesus said. <laughs> he did fishing like he'd been doing for years. You know, think about how many times he'd cast those nets in the water over the course of his life. Probably since he was old enough to hold them and throw them. And Jesus didn't ask him to do anything different. He just said, I want you to do it a little differently because I say so. Do it a different time of the day. But do the same thing you've been doing. I'm not asking you to change your skills. I'm not asking you to change your life. And I'm not asking you to leave. I'm just saying, put out the nets. Be a little inconvenienced. Let's see if you've got any faith. Now, when he realized that this had happened, look what happened. He falls to his knees before Jesus, and he said, Dude, you are a master fisherman. Is that what he said? Now, first he calls him master, which is just a proper reference to somebody that's older in a position above you. But this time he calls him Lord. You need to leave. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Now, catching fish was a pretty small miracle, really. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that Peter saw something on that day because he was involved with it that he didn't see while he was just sitting and listening, didn't see while he was just normally fishing, but he did something because Jesus said so, and all of a sudden it led to a step of faith. And that step of faith brought realization of who Jesus was. Just like many of you, the reason you're struggling with Jesus is you're waiting for him to do something, and I'm telling you, he's waiting for you to take a step of faith. Not because blind faith, but because He's given us these stories, but because you need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it, believe me, it'll be something simple, maybe not easy, maybe inconvenient, maybe public, but it'll be simple. Verse 9, he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Think, I mean, fishermen are now amazed at how many fish that they just caught. Now, 
And Jesus said to Simon, that's right, you are a sinner. Next time you better listen to me and do exactly what I say when I say it or you're going to get it. See, if that's how you think Jesus is, you've been believing and following the wrong guy. Because the Jesus I follow, he's full of grace, but he's also a straight shooter. (laughs) He's going to lead you to the best place for you. He's going to ask you to do things that aren't too hard for you, but they're definitely not easy. But here's what he says. You don't need to be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed... They left everything and followed Jesus. Now, doesn't that help fill in the story a lot more than Matthew's version of he just walked by and said, hey, follow me, and they just took off because fishing sucked? Here we find out fishing doesn't suck. They just got the most fish they've ever had. They're amazed. But through this, they see a revelation of Jesus Christ they'd never seen before on their level of faith, doing what they'd always been doing, but they did it because Jesus said so. What about you at your work? What if you went to work, you went to school, you raised your kids, you spent your money like Jesus said so this week? Might you have a fresh revelation of what he might want you to do? And you might actually understand who Jesus is better than ever before. Might you see something miraculous, just like that song that we sing? The miraculous is our lives changing out of our habits. That's a miracle. The lives are us taking steps of faith where we're usually backing up with doubt. That's a miracle. Us doing something out of the ordinary, but it's not something extraordinary. It's just out of our ordinary, and all of a sudden, it's a miracle. That's what he's talking about. But we get our, you know, I've even heard people say this, well, you know, I don't want to move out of my comfort zone then you are in a collision course with doubt and darkness and fear and flesh because Jesus' plan is to continue to move us out of our comfort zone. Now, you know what I'm going to ask for next? Not the very next thing, but pretty soon, guess what? I'm not going to ask you to put the nets on the water. I'm going to ask you to walk on the water. But he didn't ask for that first. (laughs) right? Because I don't think Peter would have got out of the boat. But now he's built an experience. That one time he said to let down the nets, and you remember what happened? And that one time where he healed that guy and nobody else, you remember what happened? And that one time you see what he did, that fig tree, you remember what happened? And now all of those experiences can lead up to a stepping out of the boat, but he doesn't ask us to step out of the boat first. You know what he asked? What's the next step for you? What can you do next? Just one decision. Not a radical lifestyle change, just one decision. You have no idea what the outcome may be if you actually do what Jesus has been asking you to do. If you'll just finally do it Jesus' way, who knows what the outcome may be in your healing, in your money, in your relationships, in your work, in your prayer life, in your Bible reading? What if you actually did it like Jesus said to do it? Because he said so, not because somebody somewhere told you, and not because it was easiest. 
I saw an incredible uh, commercial this weekend as two companies that do fitness uh, equipment were competing. They didn't say they were competing, but I got a few lights on upstairs. There's a new ultra-expensive, cool, high-tech spinning bike out there called Peloton. It only costs like four gazillion dollars if you want to get one. And the old traditional, uh, for the non-millennial group, the Bowflex. So this is a Bowflex commercial that was kind of taking shots at the Peloton commercials because they show these guys just riding their lives away. Up at 6 a.m. And they show a middle-aged, overweight lady in what I would call not cool workout gear. And Bowflex's big push was when you don't have to exercise as long, you'll exercise more often. Because theirs is the 20 minutes or less, right? See, sometimes that's what we're looking for in our faith. What's the minimum I can put into this? What's the minimum I have to do that just, you know, I know I'm going to go home and eat a whole bag of potato chips, but hey, I rode on the Bowflex thing for 20 minutes. And many of us are living our lives of faith like that, where we do just a little bit, I guess I'll go to church. That requires zero faith. That just requires your ability to hear an alarm. And I say that shakily because I'm not sure some of you are even fully awake yet. It may be inconvenient. It may be unconventional. But it's also transformational. Nobody fishes during the day except for when Jesus says. And nobody catches fish during the day except when Jesus says. Nobody puts their boats out like that except when Jesus says. And when we do it in an inconvenient, unconventional way, guess what? We see something we hadn't seen before. It's amazing that all of a sudden Jesus went from master to Lord without making him say it. Peter's eyes were opened and changed. What hangs in the balance with you? Not tomorrow, not the new year, right here, right now. What hangs in the balance of your future? What hangs in the balance of what could be with a simple step that you already know you need to take, but you've been putting it off because you know it might be inconvenient, it might be unconventional, it may put a dent in things. And that's why I'm saying you don't need a sign from God. If you're waiting for a sign for God, you'll be waiting a long time other than to say, this is your sign from God. Take the next step. You know you've got to stop living together. There's your sign from God. Take the next step. You know you got to stop stealing from work. There's your sign from God, I just told you. <laughs> Take the next step. You're not managing your money right. There's your sign from God. Take the next step. Ah, those churches, all they talk about money. Don't even go there. So does every store in town. So does the beer you drink. So do the cigarettes you smoke. So do the clothing you wear. You're not getting any of that for free. 
All it is is rebellion. And it's time to take a step. Just start someplace. Like 100%. I'm just joking. Don't start at 100% with your money. See, you weren't even awake. You're just like, is he still up there? I must have fallen asleep. Here's some next steps so we can get out of here. Some of you, and and for some of you, listen, your next step is you need to take good notes because this may not even be for you as well this morning, but for some people around you that you know need a good next step. So for some of you, it just needs to be to sit and listen. You need to stop being spotty with your attendance. You need to stop being spotty with your prayer life. You need to stop being spotty with reading your Bible. You need to be able to sit and listen, be in the presence of God. Okay, Whether that's in church or not, you need to be hearing from Him, whether it be prayer or some preaching, some, get it online. I, I'm not the only voice out there. There's wonderful, wonderful people out there. But you need to be able to sit and listen so you know the mind of God. You know what His plan is for you. You know what His will is for your life. That's the next step. Nothing big, right? Listen, sitting, how hard is that? But making time to do it instead of, I pop in my audio uh, thing while I'm on my way to work. You may think you're a great multitasker, but I'm telling you, you aren't getting everything out of that audio book or audio Bible as you're driving and weaving through traffic, putting on your makeup and thinking about everything else. You're not hearing what you could be hearing if you set that time apart just for you and God. You need to sit and listen. Some of you, you need to loan him your boat. He's not asking for everything. He's just asking for a loan. What might he be asking to borrow from you for just a little bit to see if you actually give him some room? Hmm? It's just that next step, right? You've been listening. You've been watching him. You've been listening. And now he says, hey, I'd kind of like to use. And now is the next step you'll say, And for those of you that are really simple, I'm not talking about your bass boat at home. You know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) That thing that you've been rubbing up against for a little bit, hoping, I hope he doesn't ask for that. Not for permanent. It's on loan, right? Once you know, once you know you can trust him with it, then he knows he can trust you with it. Okay? And then the next thing is you've got to take him fishing. It's inconvenient. It's public. It's unconventional. It's one of those things where, oh, man, that means work. That means people are going to see it. That means, ah, I don't have time for this. How many of you know fishing takes time? If it didn't, it'd be called catching, right? For some of you, your next step is you just got to take the next step and be inconvenienced and allow it to be something you never thought of or, or in a position or a time you never thought of. And then, last step, for those of you that are already there, Time to leave your net. It's time to quit playing around. And I'm not talking about quitting your job. I'm talking about being all in. 
where you're like, he's not just master, he's Lord. I've seen a new side to him, and now I see a new side to me. I've seen where I've come from, and he's been there every step of the way. I can trust him. He didn't make me look like a fool when I put my nets out. He didn't do anything except for help me and prosper me. Think about this. He just pulled in the biggest amount of fish. You know what his payday was going to be? And what did he do? He left it. Because if that guy can do that on a whim, what could he do if we sat down and planned? If he could do that in a short amount of time, what could he do with my whole life? What could he do with my future? What could he do with the college education that I want to get? What could he do with the spouse that I'm with? What could he do with the children I'm going to raise? What could he do with my retirement years? What could he do with me at work, at school, at play? What could he do? I don't know, but he does. And that's the thing, the the leave the, the nets is really just getting outside of your box, being ready for change. And he, he helped them with that transition. If you ever read, he says, from now on, you're going to fish for men. Now think about this. How did Jesus teach him how to fish? You set out when I tell you to set out. You put the nets down when I say to put the nets down. And then when you bring in, it's more than you can even imagine. And we've got Ephesians chapter 3 that says that, right? That he can do abundantly exceeding more than we can even think or dream, right? But it may not be that he asked you to be a missionary to Africa unless you know that's what it's supposed to be. Please don't sell all your stuff and move. Take some steps. But for some of you, it's about putting all the worry about inconvenience and publicity and inconvenience in the back burner and saying, if you say it, I'll do it. You say it? Because you say so, I'll do it. Because you say so, I'm going to stop. Because you say so, I'm going to start. Because you say so, I'm going to... That's the leaving your nets. I'm not going back to my old ways. I'm going forward. 